Well, yep. Can't believe it. I, I just can't believe yeah. uh, we're going to be doing this show without a Coach Toop interview, you know, in the queue somewhere, uh, JB. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're going to share a lot of memories, I'm sure, today uh, when we talk to him uh, as we do our Week 11 preview because we have to preview a Secretary's Cup game that's going to be a good one. Let's not kid ourselves yeah. here. It always is. Um, mm-hmm. Excuse me, I'm not, I'm not getting choked up. Eating before the show is probably not the smartest move ever. <laughs> but uh, I, one of the things, my favorite things about Toop, it, it wasn't the gruff style on the sideline. It wasn't how he treated his players, uh, which was you know kind of very fatherly uh, on most days and then very firm on game days. Tough. Yep, absolutely. But it's actually how he handled you even though you haven't shown up to a game. So, listen, JB was in town. He wanted to finally meet you. He he brought his Guitar Hero set and everything. He was going to play a set for you live in person, and you told him no. I'm sorry, can't meet with you. What the heck is that? First of all, kick his butt on Hotel California. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Joe Walsh, I got Joe down. Wow. Live or studio. Fact. Incredible. Uh, No. only, But, yeah, well, the problem was, you know, campus was shut down and all of that stuff because our COVID policies, you know, is a little different right now, and I'll stop there, but it's what it is. And uh, so, yeah, so it was locked down. I mean, you know, you guys do a phenomenal job, and we're never going to say no because you guys do a great job. And uh, But, yeah, so we, we just couldn't do it. So, Well, you know, JB now. That's what it is. And, you know, he's a Hobart guy, so... Well, that's part of it. I, I at least got Giancola to say some nice things about Hobart there while he was there. there we went go. to Montclair instead, and there they took go. great care of us. We may have to go back there more frequently there because you, you dissed this last week. Yeah. So now Palazzo and Company, we're, we may have to go visit them more now. There, there you go. Yeah, your, your loss or your gain is their loss. I don't know what it is. But uh, any words for JB out there because he did want to meet you. and Give him, give him your views of how he's been doing as a uh, co-host for me uh, throughout these. He kills it, you know. I mean, you guys, you know, you guys really balance one another great. And, uh, you know, I love the back and forth when you guys disagree. That's kind of fun. But, yeah, I mean, you guys, uh, you know, for Division Three football, it's as good as it gets. And, you know, it's real easy to tune in and listen to all of the game day stuff. And it's all about D1. But, you know. This is just as important for every kid who plays in Division Three. It's smaller kids, it's smaller venues, but it's just as important, and and we really appreciate it. And I know I speak for every coach and player in D3 because you guys recognize that and, and do your best to, to make sure the kids get recognized, so we appreciate it. Yeah, this is supposed to be like a fun cold open. You're, you're making me hey. like all teary-eyed over nah, here. What's going never on? Happen. Just tell everybody uh, that they're watching Season 14 of In the Huddle for me. Uh, this is Season 14 of In the Huddle. Thanks for watching. He did it. He knocked it out of the park. He's my new co-host right there. Back in the uh, September 3rd FDU game, uh, the uh, first game I went to this season. And 
I'm going to admit to everybody at this point, uh, a guy named Mike Toop, that guy you just saw, whispered in my ear afterward. He's like, this might be it, Ross. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Yeah. Uh, the, the, this is the season you guys are going to win the championship? What do you mean? Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Might, might uh, hang it up after this. And um, indeed he is. But uh, I wasn't years. sure he would. Yeah, I wasn't sure if he would. Uh there's that kind of notion that you have after a season like this, uh, maybe you rethink it. So we didn't bring it up, didn't talk to him about it. Then all of a sudden we got a text message on, uh, what was it, on Wednesday? As we're prepping our show, uh, our Wednesday show. Uh, he's like, check Twitter. And like I said the other day, I checked every account but his. And uh, he, he put it right on his. There, there's uh, technically nothing on the USMMA Athletics website still. That's that, <laughs> It's basically just in his own words, I'm out, basically. Yep. I'm yeah, out of here. That's two. So he's uh, he's joining us in a few minutes here on our show. Uh, week 11 we have to talk about, obviously, uh, in some level of depth. Um, rivalry Saturday uh, in a lot of ways. And, JB, run through these real quick. Uh, as you uh, saw, what was it, uh, D3 uh, Direct, was it? or D3, D3 Playbook. Playbook. Yeah, yep. D3 Playbook. Yeah, great uh, sort of daily... Um, update on everything that's going on in, in D3, and they did a little subsection on some of these long-standing rivalries that we have. Um, the longest-running series still, um, Amherst-Williams, the biggest little game in America. Uh, Coach Ray and company have a chance to go 9-0 and for the first time, a uh, chance to win the NESCAC for the first time in, geez, a while. I'd, I'm not sure exactly the, the last time, but it would be the first time under uh, you know Coach Ray's uh, tenure as as the head coach there so good luck to the Eves. although I'm, I'm sure the mammoths are looking to play spoiler Mo- knox and monmouth apparently play for a bronze turkey trophy and have for 130 years as and Bowden and colby um with the cbb on the line uh that should be a good one that's i think going to be a night game um coming up on saturday around five o'clock so if you you know, with all these kickoffs at noon and one, if you really want to do a full-on day, Bowden Colby will be up uh, on, around uh, five o'clock Eastern, and then we have Hammond Sydney, uh, Randolph Macon, DePaul Wabash, the famous Mon and Bell game. Um, I'm sure our friend Greg Thomas, aka Wally Wabash, will be checking out RPI versus Union Frank, the Shoes, the oldest New York State football rivalry. Apparently, the the trophy hasn't been around for as long, but this rivalry has, and. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to get the uh, 118th or 19th Lawrence versus Ripon game. That that that's one of the very few uh, cancellations that we've that we've seen out there. We had one last week. Then we're looking at a bunch of trophy games from all sorts of places, ranging from the Academic Bowl, which has uh, Pool A and Pac Championship implications between Case and Carnegie Mellon. Got the Bell Trophy, Franklin versus Hanover, the Cortica Jug, which we've been talking about all week with Cortland and Ithaca, another huge game. Cranberry Bowl in Massachusetts between Bridgewater State and Mass Maritime. The Cayuga Gold Bowl, Frank, which honestly is a huge game nationally because of Region 2 fans wanting Baldwin and Wallace to lose and, and give up that pool C spot, that very valuable pool C spot that they will probably get if they win against John Carroll. We got RPI versus Union, we said. DelVal and Widener play for the Keystone Cup. FNM is playing Gettysburg for the Lincoln Hat. Uh, Mercy County Cup, Grove City versus Teal. And actually, I'm surprised we don't have the Mayor's Cup on this list, which is between um, 
uh, Wilkes and, and Kings College. That's a that's another great uh, rivalry trophy game. But you see the rest. Obviously, the Secretary's Cup here, uh, Coast Guard versus Merchant Marine, um, to go along with a couple of uh, Centennial. You know, the Gold Post were Uniana and Susquehanna, Moravian versus Muhlenberg for the Sodexo, which I guess you know maybe you get like a gift card to the um, the cafeteria if you win or something. <laughs> You know, I just know I'm, I'm cutting checks for Sodexo every month for my kids' meal plan at their private school. So, uh, they used to, uh, Sodexo Marriott used to do the Union College uh, cafeteria back when I was a student back in 1994, yeah. 1995, all that stuff. Oh, my goodness. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or actually, you're done. What, what am I saying? Keep yeah, going. I'm you're done. done. And, done. and uh, so, Rivalry Weekend is a big one here in Division Three. Let's start talking about uh, Region 1 games, uh, one of which is uh, going to be important to our next uh, segment, as long as we uh, have our technology work out correctly here. We're working on that in the background. So I'll let you run through Region 1. Well, you know, yeah, a lot of games going on this weekend. Obviously, Merchant Marine versus Coast Guard with Veterans Day being yesterday and all the salute to service. Um, this is being included in the ESPN uh, broadcast of games, arm, you know, it's kind of the little Army, Navy, or um, you know, Armed Services Bowl, you could say for uh, for for D three. I know Norwich and and Coast Guard are kind of like the little uh, Army Navy game technically, but uh, great rivalry between these two schools. We'll be on a, a national platform. Uh, great opportunity for them to showcase D three football and. Um, JB, lost your audio. I think you may have gone to mute by accident there. Oh, yeah. Looks like I did. So, uh... It happened again, actually. Okay. I'm not sure why I'm cutting out. Can you hear me now? Yep. Go for it. Okay. So, Region 1. These top two games uh, in the new MAC uh, will decide the new MAC Pool A automatic qualifier for the tournament. Uh, it's going to be Springfield Catholic or Merchant Marine. We think um, Springfield has a slight edge, possibly, um, you know, assuming they win due to the head to head that, that that would probably clinch it. But if Catholic wins, it's going to boil down to some number crunching. And I'll let Frank explain that <laughs> later on. Uh, we mentioned the Williams Amherst, the, you know, the littlest big game. SUNY Maritime is going to try to play spoiler to Anna Maria's hopes to making the playoffs and clinching the ECFC title for the first time in their program history. Meanwhile, Husson versus Western New England, I thought that maybe, you know, Salve had a chance to sneak into a New England Bowl, but I think really this game between the Eagles and the Golden Bears is effectively uh, a play-in game for the CCC uh New England Bowl berth because whoever wins this game, uh, since they've lost head to head to Endicott, would end up in second place. Endicott only has to beat Nichols, uh, who hasn't won a, a conference game yet. Endicott wins that game. They pretty much clinch the pool A. They control their destiny. So Husson Western New England is a, a chance for at least a postseason game for these, um, you know, fourth and fifth year senior classes. So big, big rivalry uh, conference game on the line there. Jumping down to Region 2, we've already talked about a bunch of these games, you know, the Shoes, the Cortica Jug, 
the academic bowl, you know, between Case Western and, and Carnegie Mellon. Uh, Rick Rick Lackner, uh, the head coach of the Tartans, is kind of like a, a coach Toop decided to hang it up, um, and he's forty three years in coaching, I believe, only a couple less than, than, than Coach Toop. He will be coaching in his final regular season game, trying to get his team into the playoffs. The Tartans win. They're the pack champs, and they go to the playoffs. If not, then I think it's Westminster who ends up um, getting the pack pool A bid. So either way, we got a couple of deans of Division Three coaching um, that are that are hanging it up after the season. And based on how you, know, you just got very – Military there, Frank. I think we've got somebody in the wings that we're, who's waiting to talk to us. I, I can see his apparel already, and I, I, I can't uh, say I fault the apparel uh, one bit. Uh, we'll uh, talk about it in a second, but I will say before we bring him in, uh, we started the show in 2008, and one of the uh, first games we did it, uh, around the league in back in the Liberty League days was the Susquehanna Merchant Marine game. And uh, Merchant Marine was a school that I didn't know that much about, uh, until we sort of did this show, uh, even though they were in the mm-hmm. Liberty League for you know a few years before that, uh, it's been an interesting ride. And uh, this guy has been there since what 2005 as head coach, I believe it is. Um, and uh, it, it, it's tough. This is a tough day for us. We're going to bring him in, uh, Coach Mike Toop. Uh, we'll bring him in when I get the right slide. Now, Coach Mike Toop, <laughs> you, you got to love the live hey. stuff you do here, Coach. And, Let's uh, go. But beat Coast Guard, huh? Yeah. What's their big game this weekend yeah. over, uh, that your guys are going to? That's what someone set, left this on my desk this morning, so I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> uh, Coach, uh, you uh, tweeted out on Wednesday. I've seen nothing else about it, honestly, in the Merchant um, Marine websites and all that stuff, really. Um, you wanted to go out your way in every way possible and signing off uh, as I'm out essentially after this game, uh, obviously. Uh, th- that's it. That, that, that's how you want to do it. And tell us what led to the decision to finally say, yep, I am out. Uh, you know, the wife and I have been talking about the last couple of years. Um and, and really kind of decided uh, probably a couple years ago that maybe 20 and 21 would be the last two years. Uh, you know, I'm the oldest guy on campus, uh, and which people like to remind me of. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, it's funny. You know, I was able to, to work with my dad, who was a high school coach for, for a ton of years. And I remember when I was coaching with him, uh, after a game we won, driving and he looks at me and he says i'm done and i said we talk about pop he goes i'm done this is my last year i so we, we talked and i'm like i kind of took me off guard basically and and he said listen you know you're sailing right now and you're doing high school on the side and you, you've got your career in the industry and in the navy as well and if you ever get into coaching as a profession when it's time, when you, when you're ready to leave, you'll know it. And I just know it's time for me to go. Um, you know, I'm sure my players would tell you that I'm old school, and the warranty for old school probably uh, expired about 10 years ago. But uh, And quite frankly, I've got a guy who's been with me for 10 years who's really 
done a phenomenal job for us on the offense, Jamison Crow, and it's it's just his time to to take it over, and I need to get out of his way and let him do it. Wow. Well, Coach, we've we've had so much fun, you know, covering the the Mariners all these years, and we've seen so many great games. Um, you know, Frank's been there for a bunch of them, and I mean, looking back now, I mean. You know, this this upcoming game we'll talk about in a second, but when you think about your career, um, what what are some of the some of the favorite memories you have of of some great you know great games, great wins, maybe even some losses that you learned from uh, as you've gone through your career? Yeah, I I mean I've been incredibly uh, fortunate. You know, I I was. My first class year, my senior year at the academy, you know, I was fortunate to, to get a lot of interest from the NFL, was going to go that route. And one of my coaches here, Jack Sussie, played at Springfield and knew Bob Ford, the head coach at SUNY Al Albany. And he said, Tuber, I just want, he goes, I can see you doing this someday. And so just go up there and interview for a GA position. So I did. And, you know, 40, as we call him, uh, who is about as good as it gets in the history of this profession, especially mentoring and producing coaches. He, he calls me in his office and goes, you know, I don't know why you're here. You know, I know about King's Point, this and that. He goes, if I want you to go out to sea, if, if you do that and you go into the industry and make a ton of money and you ever want to come back and, and want to be a college coach, come back and see me. So after six years, I went back and applied for Jay up there and he brought me in and after you know, I was done. He said, you know, well, why are you here? And I told him exactly what he said to me. And he goes, I kind of remember that. And he hired me and I was extremely fortunate. You know, I worked with great people, Chuck Puri, you know, teaches at Stony Brook. We were together there and at Union and Rick Flanders. Um, so I've had great stops. I've had great mentors, you know, at, from Albany, you know, I was able to get hired by Bags, Al Bagnoli over at Union uh, had was only there two years when undefeated, uh, two of the worst losses ever in the playoffs, both years to Ithaca. So, you know, I'll never root for those guys. Uh, let's get that straight. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, and then was fortunate to get to Colgate with Mike Foley and Fred Dunlap. And then, you know, Bags got the Penn job and, you know, Penn, as much as I'm an alum here, Penn was still the best coaching job I ever had. Um, you know, the great thing about the Ivy Leagues, which people don't understand, is they're known, obviously, for their academics. But the one thing about the Ivy Leagues, they want to be great in everything. And we I was, we were really fortunate. You know, Chuck and I were there, Fiori and, and, and Rick Flanders from all we hooked up together with, with some other guys on that staff. Jim Schaefer, who was, was at Union with us, and we, we won 25 games in a row, which is still a 1AA record. And... Uh, you know, the guys that we had there that, I mean, they they made us look pretty good. I know the guys on defense made me look good. And I, I think that's the great thing about coaching. I actually, the boys, word got out on Twitter and the boys saw it from Penn. And I was on a group text with them the other night. So it's, you know, it was been a great ride. And uh, coming back here, you know, obviously uh, it's been really rough. Uh, took me quite a while to get things to where where I wanted them, especially trying to change the culture of the program and getting guys to buy in and those types of things. But now, like I said, we we we've been pretty fortunate over the last ten years, especially the last five, where we've we've had some success. But 
None of that's going to matter tomorrow. Let's get that straight. None of it. Let's see. Before we get to tomorrow, uh, let's look at uh, the last 10 years a little bit because uh, we were kind of uh, front and center on uh, some of the things that uh, are special about your program from the last 10 years. Uh, one thing that uh, stands out is the federal government shutdown uh, in a season that you guys were having a special season that year. Uh, it kind of was taken from you for a few games or a couple of games. Can't remember exactly how many, but it seemed like forever, I'm sure, for you guys, uh, the way things played out. Uh, yeah. There's the uh, Mikey Weinstein, Friends of Jacqueline uh, friendship relationship that you created. That's uh, still our cover photo on Facebook, Mikey, uh, before he passed away. And uh, Chrissy and uh, her family I still appreciate you to this day, and I think you still talk to them uh, frequently to this day. Um what was your number one goal in terms of how you mentored these young men? Because we know the military aspect of King's Point is going to do a certain level of it. But what was your role in your mind when you came in and began coaching these guys? And how has it worked for you over the last 10 years so well? You know, when I, I was the head coach at Davidson, when I they reached out to me from the academy and asked me to to interview for the job, be, because I was an alum and I was in the you know in the profession and you know I really didn't have any interest in leaving Davidson. Quite frankly, you know, not too many people want to leave North Carolina for Long Island. Let's get that straight. And uh, so I came up and interviewed, and you know the people at Davidson. Uh, weren't too happy that I did that and one thing led to another so I said yeah but when I came up here there, there were some issues uh, with, with the coaching staff and I didn't know what they were I really didn't care what they were I didn't want to know what they were but it when I listened to the mids that uh, were involved in the interview process it reminded me of my first class year here when I was in first class in my senior year we George Paterno was our head coach my first three years at the academy. And to this day, George, you know, got into it with the administration and didn't coach our first class year. And to a man, uh, every guy that I played with will tell you that if George and his staff coached us our first class year, we probably would have won the national championship or definitely would have gotten very far. Uh because we were loaded the year before, you know, we, we just missed an invite, and that's back when we only had eight teams. My first class year, the head coach came in. They hired him three days before practice started. And to make a long story short, there were a number of issues, and which ultimately wound up in us boycotting and not playing unless they dismissed him as the head coach. And we're ranked nationally at the time. And... Uh, you know, we, we made it through the season and very, very bitter about my first class year simply because we were a playoff team. We refused to bid to the playoffs because all the news came out. We didn't practice for a whole week. We went, we did a Friday walkthrough and then played our game on Saturday and won it. But when I came back, my entire focus was to try and provide the best experience for these guys playing football just based on what, you know, the boys and I really didn't get our senior year uh, because of what, what transpired. So, you know, that was always my, that's always been my underlying reason for coming back here. Uh, it's something that, 
you know, I stay, I email all the boys. I call them the boys. They're the guys I played with. I've been doing it ever since I got back here, emailing them on Fridays and, you know, and uh, as soon as they, and some will be at the game tomorrow. And it's first thing we see we, when we see one another and we, you know, start talking, we talk about, you know, first class year and how things didn't, you know, how we kind of got robbed out of it. So, um, you know, that was, that was my motivation. And, and it took me a while to get kids to buy in and do those things. But because it's more than just wins and losses, you know, I did the D1 stuff for a bunch of years and actually turned down a job in the NFL. And for me, it's, it's, this place is about building leaders, no different than the guys up in uh, Connecticut and, and the other service academies. There's, there's a different responsibility when you coach at these places it, it's about building uh, future leaders in the maritime industry, and we got a bunch of guys, you know, 33% of my guys are going active duty. There's guys that I've coached that, that you know, lost their lives in the war, which is traumatic. So, you know, it's uh, it, it's been something that I've been very, very proud of um, from a standpoint of, because the best part of this for me is three or four years after guys get out and they come back and they, and they're like, Hey coach, you know, and I said, yeah, the place is legit. I know I went there and you know, what, when you're bringing them in as high school seniors, they think it's, you know, it's kind of a recruiting line, but the bottom line is, you know, I was recruited by army and Navy and actually went up to the place over in Connecticut and said, yeah, I ain't going here. And, 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 Committed to play at Navy on a visit and said, and I was fortunate to come here and say, yeah, I, I just thought this was by far the best of the five. And I still firmly believe that as much as, you know, uh, the difference between us and the other four is we're run by political appointees and lawyers, but I'll stop there. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I just look at the product that this institution pushes out and not just in football. You know, our, ga our girls in volleyball are in the NCAAs tonight, and uh, baseball won NCAA, and basketball lit it up the other night, and the girls' basketball's gone to the NCAAs. So this, you know, it, it's it's a tremendous place from a standpoint of the product we put out, uh, the overall person. So it's, uh, that that's, you know, it's it's a lot different when you wear one of these. It, it, it really, uh, the pride button matters. Well, you, you talked about, you know, doing, you know, doing what you can for your guys. Um, you talked about, you know, the you know, pride and all that. I mean, you fought um, probably as hard, if not harder than any coach in this part of the country to get a game. And it was the game. You got the Secretary's Cup game set up um, a year ago. And, uh, you know, we were – uh, we were there, Frank, in person, you know, me virtually to, to cover that. And here you are, you know, once again, uh, trying to hang on to that, uh, that Secretary's Cup one more time. Um, what, uh, what can you tell us a little bit about those, those guys from, from Connecticut and how you're going to uh, keep, keep that trophy in the uh, Kings Point locker room? You know, I, I told my guys the other night something I've never told any of my teams here. You know, my first class year, we opened with Coast Guard at home, and uh, we beat them 9-7. Uh, you know, Trippy and Choo Choo, my, the two guys that played in front of me, the deep tackles, they, they were able to split it open, and I blocked the field goal with about four minutes left, and we won 9-7. Uh, 
We were ranked fifth in the country. Coast Guard was 0-10. So I think that kind of puts things in a nutshell from a standpoint of I don't care what our record is versus their record. You know, everyone says, well, they lost to Springfield 60 nothing. I said, and I got after my guys. I said, if you take one look at the Springfield game, you won't graduate because those guys, you know, no pun intended, are loaded for bear. They are coming after us. And uh, so we're going to get everything and more. You know, we expect this to be a hell of a football game. And, and by the same token, let's get one thing straight. We're, we're going to show up. I mean, we're going to show up. Trust me. Because I'll tell you right now, uh, you know, I talked to the ESPN guys the other day, and they said, well, you know, you don't seem like a sentimental guy. And they, they got that one right. And uh, they said, well, if you your last speech to the team, I said, I already gave my, the team my last speech. And they were like, really? I said, yeah. I said, I told the team on Monday – I said, underclassmen, if you lose the Coast Guard, I'm coming back. So I feel pretty good about this one. I feel pretty good about this one. They're, they're going to make damn sure we get this one. Otherwise, they're going to see me back next year. So. Oh, oh my. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. Coach Grant gets Booker McFarland doing his interview, and you get Frank and James. I'm not sure who got the raw end of this deal. I got uh, Listen, I, we made out in that deal. Let's get that straight. They can get all the pub. They can get all the pub. Booger can talk to them. That's fine. I'm just going to shut up and we're, we're going to play. It was a well-done piece yeah. last night, though. I we will. It was phenomenal. I give I give ESPN a tremendous amount of credit. I thought that was absolutely awesome, especially the attention they brought to the social issues that are that are really prevalent right now. And I really commend Coast Guard and what they did to honor that. Uh, that's really. Uh, I mean, that's what these places are all about. And I really take my hat off to Coast Guard and what they've done. That That's phenomenal. It really is. I'm just glad for an hour on ESPN we didn't have C. Dan Orlovsky uh, because he's uh, all over their uh, network for some reason lately. But I digress. Coach, uh, I, re- I recruited Orlovsky at UConn, just so you know. <laughs> oh, God. No way. <laughs> <laughs> then I left. You- oh, my God. Yeah, because uh, yeah. You, in your bio it says you helped uh, usher them from one AA to one A when uh, that that was the distinction back then. Uh, so yeah, yeah, in fact you're right, That's you true. did. I, I forgot about that aspect. Uh, anyway, coach, uh, so there's this little thing. Okay, playoffs, NCAA playoffs. Uh, we, we've given everybody our full disclosure on you guys aren't going to the playoffs. Uh, that's just the way it is. The tiebreaker is not in your favor. The uh, situation with Pool C won't work for you guys once your SOS settles down this weekend. Okay, we know that. But you're in for a bowl game probably. A bowl game will most likely be given to you, uh, be it uh, the uh, New England Bowl or the ECAC uh, Bowl, one or the other. We'll make sure that you get picked only for one, not for two this time around. Uh, like uh, last time, accidentally, for about five minutes, you were in both. Uh, but, Coach... Are you going to basically say, Jameson, here's the keys. If you go coach that game, how are you going to handle that situation? Because that seems to be a little missing from the context here. It sounds like tomorrow is your last game, but what happens if a bowl is given to Kings Point? Tomorrow's the only game we have that's guaranteed. So we got to win tomorrow. And if we do, then, you know, I'll worry. We'll, we'll worry about that when we get to the locker room, you know. Crow ain't getting the keys until I walk out of here. Let's get that straight. So <laughs> he's a Springfield guy. You can't give the Springfield guys the keys that quickly. Come on. Yeah, right. 
Well, listen, Springburgers, you know, they drive those Fred Flintstone cars when they're running with their feet, so let's get that straight. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, Coach Sirazul and company, how you doing, folks? Uh, anyway, uh, I'll go for uh, one more here, Coach. Um, what do you miss most about this? Uh, it, it, it'll always be the relationships. You know, you, you can that you, and I think any coach will tell you that you can't put a price tag on, you know, when you get an email from a player that you coached, you know, 45 years ago in high school, uh, a bunch of the guys reached out that played to, for my old man and I at Chaminade High School here on the island. And, uh, you know, so th those are the things that you, that just stay with you and, uh, That's the tough thing, leaving that. Yeah, yeah. Well, Coach, um, I wasn't surprised when you started off and you and you mentioned that, you know, you talked to the wife, who is probably the real CEO of the Toop family. Um, if she's anything like my wife, Jen, she's probably not a fan of jerseys, hats, football paraphernalia. I can see you got about 10 or 12, you know, the, the Toop, collection of hats up there is pretty impressive mm -hmm. is mrs mm -hmm. Toop going to be you know do you have like a section in the Toop household for all this uh, mariner stuff or are we going to have like a you know an au auction to you know to get two paraphernalia you know autograph jerseys maybe you know mustache t-shirts that somebody is wearing right now you know to what, what's what's happened with all this stuff here uh you know when we bought our first house, the agreement was I get one room. Okay. It started out as a closet. Okay. Now it's, you know, now it's a regular room in the house. So I get one room. So that's mine. Uh, my last day at the Academy here will be July 30th of 2022. You know, and I can speak for every coach. Wives get lost in the, in the sauce when it comes to this. And, uh, you know, she's my hero. I mean, believe it or not, I met her. Here at the academy, about four or five five years after I got out of here, um, at one of my buddies' wedding, she was a cousin of of of, of eight seven's wife, and uh, so I met her. We we talked at the wedding for a bit. I took her out, and we're having dinner. And she never saw a football game before, so I was like, "Okay, this is this is uh, this is going to be very interesting," and you know. Forty years later, she'll be in she'll be in yeah. Kings Point football gear from head to toe tomorrow. Let's get that straight. So, but she's she's okay. done it all like every wife has, and uh, you know, seven different colleges we've worked at, and seven different houses, and she, you know, you guys know in this profession, when the guy picks up the phone and offers a job, and you say yes, you got to go the next day, and she was always stuck six months behind. You know, taking care of the house and taking care of the kids and, and doing those things. And, uh, you know, I mean, I married the all-time greatest, you know, football wife. Let's get that straight. That Amen. said, uh, your wife has a great husband. Uh, we've grown to really appreciate and love you over the years. Um, the, the thing that, that I'm going to tell you to your face here, or at least virtually, uh, that I've always appreciated about you, too, is this word loyalty. You've been always loyal to people that have made sure that, you know, they've given you the right respect level along the way. When we were at this little old show, 
you know, on uh, Blog Talk Radio, uh, Eric Ren and me uh, back when you didn't hesitate to come on and talk to us when it came to the federal government shutdown. You didn't hesitate to give us the information we needed to keep people updated behind the scenes. Uh, when it came to just about anything, you gave us access galore. And when it came to Secretary's Cup 2020, one of six games played in Division Three in that season, you made sure we were there. You made it uh, known to everybody that we were going to be there. Uh, you know, get the test uh, done, Ross, and uh, come on down. And you worked your butt off to make sure that that happened, and we appreciated you for that. We're going to miss you because while we have a lot of great relationships with coaches in Division Three, they don't all necessarily have that sense of loyalty and appreciation that you do. And I think it's one of those things that just goes away as time goes on and hopefully it comes back someday but um you know the old timers club has some really good qualities to it too and that's one huge one last question for you uh how special is it to go out with this team in particular because i know you've been talking about these guys in particular a lot to your uh first class uh, uh, guys and everything else uh mm-hmm. Talk about your relationship with this team in particular, because I know they love the hell out of you right now. Yeah, I could. You know, it's you could almost see it when they were plebes, because we had a really good season in 2018, uh, which ended very poorly at home against Coast Guard, and these guys remember that vividly because they were, you know, they were they were plebes that day. Uh, a, a number of them were, were in the mix, were getting some time, but the, I think the thing that these guys really did an outstanding job of was they really listened to the first classmen. You know, I always tell, you know, when the plebes come in, the first thing I say is don't listen to the third classmen. Don't listen to the sophomores because, you know, they, they, just, they just added a stripe to their shoulder board so they think they know everything. They don't know a damn thing. Listen to the first classmen because they've been here for four years or going on four years and they've been through the mix. They know the most about the place. They know how to navigate it. If a guy's been a first classman and he's in my program, then he's doing things the right way uh, all the time. And those are the guys you've got to lean on. And that's where they, these guys did a great job of, of listening and seeing every class. You know, the thing that you guys well know, uh, Bakes, you certainly know as a player, is that every team is different from a chemistry standpoint. And, and the, the common fallacy nowadays, and certainly next year for this program as well, you know, you guys went 7-1 and one or 7-2, and two, so you guys got it, you know, you guys are going to be good. Well, it doesn't work that way because you lose guys and you have different personalities and, and the chemistry is different. And these guys recognize the differences in each team above them and they did what they thought i mean i always say this if all your seniors are on one group chat one group text you got a shot if you've got three or four different group chats in in your senior class that can be a little bit of an issue so it's because and there can be differences of opinion let's get that straight but but as long as everyone's on the same page ultimately you're always going to have a shot and, and that's what these guys have done a phenomenal job of. Uh, they've bought into all aspects of the academy. It's not just about being a football player and that kind of thing. It's about all four pillars, you know, the academic part of it, the C year, 
you know, the regiment and, and, and athletics. And I think the other pillar that we've added is the community service part. Uh, especially our guys have been very active when it comes to the social issues that have been prevalent the last couple of years. Our guys have been at the forefront of that, which I'm really proud of. So, uh, you know, that's what this class has done to distinguish themselves. And, you know, and then on a, and when you got some guys like blank and, you know, four, four and nine, and, you know, the guys up front, Goldade and Smitty and Kiernan and, you, when you got some guys that can flat out play, it, it makes it that much better. And that's why these guys, these guys have earned everything on their own. Trust me. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been so much fun um, all these years to, to get to know the, the Mariners and, and be kind of part of this, you know, academy, you know, fa extended family. I know that, you know, especially when, you know, we, we got to know Mikey and, and the Weinstein side of things, we got to, you know, we got a little, you know, maybe a little more entrenched into what, you know, this, this whole thing is really all about. Cause even though on one hand you can look at these, you know, Mariners as, as soldiers or, or seamen or what have you, you know, at the end of the day, like you said, coach, it's about the people, it's about the relationships. And we, uh, we have just been so privileged to be part of yours. Well, you know, when Ross alluded, when, alluded before to when it when he first started and it was just an internet thing and you know I was kind of lucky that I did a number you know the time I spent in D1 because when I came back to the D3 level you know D3 as Bakes you know we all know that it in comparison it gets shunned and when you guys started this up I thought you know when you reached out I anything I could do to promote division three or help promote your cause because you guys, you know, D3football.com. I mean, you guys are there, you know, I mean, you're carrying the flag for division three football. And, uh, and I know I can speak for every, every coach in the country in division three, you know, I'm lucky that I have a great relationship with you guys. So I get to talk to you more, but, but what you guys have done for the sport of football in division three is, is unmatched. It's just unmatched to the point where, you know, you're involved in, you know, the bowl game announcements and those types of things. Now, I think that speaks volumes to the level of commitment you guys have put in to the sport of football at the Division three level. And, you know, I'm just like, I'm just a guy. I'm, a, you know, I'm just the coach, just like the other 246 guys that, that get to carry head coaches a title at this in this division. So it's uh, it's a privilege for me when I get to speak. You know, especially right now on behalf of all the other coaches, because that's what it's about. You know, it's it's about the kids and they're the ones putting in the time and they're the ones grinding, you know. So uh, I, I want I know I can't thank you guys enough for what you guys have done for the sport of football in Division three. So we're indebted. We're indebted. Your uh, I think uh, the reaction from the Ralph Isernias and many others out there, Dean Paul and others I saw, uh, will tell you that you are not just another coach, that you are a special coach and a special person to so many people out there. Um, well, Isernia is going to put something up because I recruited him when I was at Albany State and he didn't come. So he's still trying to make <laughs> up for that. Let's get that straight. Okay. Thankfully you did that because I was starting to lose it over here a little bit. Thank you for that. Uh, but, Coach, good luck tomorrow. We'll see where things go after that with respect to bowls. Um, I'll see you tomorrow.
I'll let you know right now. I'll see you tomorrow, Coast Guard. All right. Jason Southard, no, uh, I am coming. Uh, despite the fact it was about a 3% differential, the margin of error we're allowed to uh, use here to say, Cortica, we'll see you at Yankee Stadium next year. This is our Yankee Stadium game this year, uh, which is uh, at Coast Guard. It's going to be a big one. I appreciate it, guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks a Thanks, lot. Coach. Thanks for everything. Thank you, bud. See you tomorrow. Appreciate you. Good luck. Whew. Um, yeah, man. Uh, where do you go from here? I do we have football to preview something? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Let me get to that union hall again. Where is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't uh, even find my stuff on my screen right now that we need. Okay, here it is. Um, wow. I, that's I, great. I'm gonna, I, I, here, I'll try to. I'll I'll do my end of the bargain here because you you carry us through region two. No, nah, I can I can keep I can keep rolling, Frank. I'll just you know. Once again, uh, you know, we already we kind of covered the left hand side, and once as I said last time, no disrespect to to Region Three, but the reality is every single one of those conference races is wrapped up. Um, we know that there could be some, you know, there's some rivalry stuff going on, but there's you know, not not much else really happening there. So what we're focused on now is going to the bigger picture nationally. John Carroll versus Baldwin Wallace. Um, is a huge game, uh, not only for that um, trophy that they play for, but, you know, there are some teams in Region 2 and elsewhere that are hoping that maybe John Carroll can pull off the upset and knock Baldwin Wallace out of what is turning into about a one or two team uh, Pool C race. So that is going to have a a huge impact on the playoffs. Mount St. Joe's against Rolls-Holman, you know, it's one of those things. I think it's a formality of, of certain respects, but Rose Holman can win um, their conference. I thought they already clinched, but maybe they they technically have to check this one off the list to, to punch their ticket, but uh, they should be favored in that game. Chicago versus Lake Forest is interesting um, because of the fact that really Lake Forest should have won the Midwest title last weekend, but because of the fact that they had a, you know, half a game due to weather outage, they, I think you told me they have to what, they have to win one quarter to they have to win one quarter. So they, if they, there is a scenario where uh, we could end up with a three way coin flip if this doesn't solve itself correctly uh, Saturday. So uh, win one quarter, Lake Forest. It doesn't matter if you win the game at that point. You win the conference uh, via tiebreaker. Obviously, you want to win and stay undefeated for bracketing purposes. Uh, but yeah, that, yep. that's uh, what we're up against. Uh, I'll take you through Pool C or Pool C uh, Region Six real quick here. Uh, St. John's versus Bethel at Bethel. I don't know why uh, they're doing it this way. Why Bethel gets the home game on this one? But it is what it is. Uh, remember, uh, St. John's has a quarterback change due to injury, and so this is a different quarterback now for St. John's versus Bethel. It could be a benefit to Bethel, or maybe not. Who knows? Um, they hosted. It looks like they hosted Bethel in Week Four, so maybe that's why they're they're switching it around. You would think that you give the priority to the team that had the better record or that beat uh, one another as one of the. Or maybe it's one of those weird odd even years, like the, this division. Westminster W and J had this thing last in the spring too. Remember in their championship game where it was yeah. played at Westminster, and everybody thought it should have been at W and J. So th- this happens, but I I was a little surprised when I uh, double checked that today. Greenville, uh, Minnesota, Morris. So here's what happened: Martin Luther has one less game than these two teams once this game gets played. 
uh, due to a COVID cancellation. So all three teams could end up as one-loss teams, ultimately. I, and I just want to make sure I'm getting the right team, ultimately, uh, as I say that, uh, in terms of who's who and what's what. And so as I say this out loud, the winner of this game, because of the fact that you would escape a tie, three-way tiebreaker, and Greenville has the uh, 5-0 and record in conference right now. So Minnesota Morris beat Greenville. There would be one loss across the board for Greenville, Minnesota Morris, and Martin Luther. But Martin Luther is down a game because of that uh, cancellation. So there is no provision I can find in their tiebreaker in the UMAC to account for that for Martin Luther. So Greenville or Minnesota Morris will win the championship by winning this game is what I understand this to be. I can't find anything telling me otherwise yep. at this point. And then yep. UW River Falls. Yep, UW River Falls, UW Oshkosh. For the slight hopes of Oshkosh to be in the mix with respect to Pool C, should carnage occur, uh, that's why this game is uh, sort of here. It also would help buoy uh, lacrosse a little bit to keep Oshkosh ranked, and that's another thing to look at in Region Six. So that's why that's featured. Okay. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's see what we're supposed to do here, I guess, at this point. And I lost the game on you last week. How does that happen? I, I, I mean, I, I, I was rolling. I, I, I almost went perfect the week before. Come on. How does that it happen? It did. It did. Yeah, well, it's just, you know, it's all part of the dramatic, you know, regular season finish that we're trying to provide the viewers here, Frank, with, with this exciting race. <laughs> <laughs> if you believe that i've got some property and the everglades <laughs> yeah yeah uh that was you know, the one thing surprising. we forgot to ask coach Toop is where if you know is he going to stay on the island is he going to you know move down to north carolina and play golf and guitar like coach saloon or i guess south carolina is where the zoomer ended up but yeah, maybe he's going to come down to Florida. He could, you know, take me sailing. I don't know. We'll we'll have to ask him tomorrow after the game. That's that's asking a lot, I think, uh, for uh, that to happen. We got to go frogging first before all that. Uh, remember, so that's true. It's time, and you know how it works, everyone. I'm going to put it up here. When I uh, tell him to go, we start the clock. It's 11 minutes. We have to roll pretty fast here. We've gone on forever. That was a half hour interview. Here we go. Region 1 Catholic at Springfield, uh, essentially uh, to at least confirm Springfield as the new MAC champion uh, to avoid that tiebreaker scenario to get them in. Uh, you know, the Pride have hardly had any home games this year. They're 2-0 at home. I think they go 3-0. They, they're trying to get into the playoffs. They'll run the ball like they always do, and I think they'll hang on in a shootout 42-35. to yeah, I think uh, Springfield does avoid the three-way tie situation, uh, mercifully for all of us, and uh, does win this game, and maybe helps Union in that idea, because they probably get ranked the following uh, rankings, which is this weekend, uh, and Union could add a regionally ranked opponent to their uh, record. They've got to be RPI more on that help. in a moment. Uh, Springfield wins 35-31. That'll be a good game. Williams at Amherst, uh, just the context in case you missed it earlier, Williams has uh, at least a share of the NESCAC title. They've beaten Trinity, who has one loss, but I believe they do the whole. If you have the same record, we'll give a co-champs thing. Co-champs. Yeah. So Amherst has three losses, but look, Williams has just been rolling. It's at Amherst. This is 
sort of one of those, it doesn't matter what the record is uh, scenarios again, just like we were talking about with Secretary's Cup with Coach Toop. I'm going to say uh, Williams still wins this. Lower scoring, though, 2017. Yeah, I mean, I think Coach Ray's done a great job building up the offensive and defensive lines for the Eves, and I think that'll be the difference in this game. I like the low score, probably like a 24-17. It'll be close, but I think the Eves win. Weather will be rainy throughout the Northeast tomorrow, including New York, just for those wondering. SUNY Maritime and Anna Maria for the ECFC, potentially for Anna Maria. Go. Well, the AMCATs played with fire a little bit here and there, um, but I think SUNY Maritime just a little bit of a younger squad. I I think the AMCATs will hang on and win, um, but it's going to be a close one, 31 to 28. Yeah, Cohen seems to be a pretty special quarterback that Coach Maroney has over there. So I'm going to uh, pick Anna Maria to win at home and win the conference and get a playoff berth. Who would have thunk it two years ago? We keep saying it, but honestly, this is one of the biggest surprises out there. Anna Maria wins yep. 34-17. Husson at Western New England. Uh, CCC uh, battle here. Uh, I... I think the home team wins here, uh, especially in the elements. It's going to favor Western New England. Uh, it's going to be rainy there, definitely, in Springfield uh, for this game. And uh, I will give Western New England the 31-24 win. I won't, you know, I was leaning towards WNE also, but every time I pick against Husson, they always win. So, I mean, it's a long trip for them from, from Bangor to Springfield, but the Eagles just seem to be... You know, just this tough out. So I'll I'll go with them in a in a close, lower scoring game, twenty four to seventeen. It's it's ironic. I I didn't even realize I did it, but uh, we forgot a region one game here. But we're going to save it for later at this point. Uh, up Bonus. top, uh, yeah, I, that, I, it was completely by accident. RPI Union uh, for uh, the shoes and the uh, Liberty League title for either RPI or Ithaca ultimately. Uh, I will start once I find our music as well here. Um, yeah, but that said, uh, Union, I think, got a good lesson last week of sort of assuming too much about your team. They do have the weapons to win, and I think they just sort of didn't have the wherewithal to use them all last week, and Ithaca took them by storm especially in that first half. We warned about that first half last week. I think Union comes out strong in this game at home. Wish it was under the lights. Really do. Uh, Union wins this 27-20. Yeah, that sounds a little bit like that Hobart game that you and I were at. I mean, RPI has lived dangerously all season. They've been in so many close games. Uh, Just the offense just struggled so much last week and the last couple weeks. Um, and I just feel like at home, Ross Jr. and Erebor, it's just a different story. So, yeah, I think the Dutchmen are going to eke out a close one. I'll say 24 to 21. It might come down to an Andrew Lyle field goal. Ithaca, Cortland, Cortica. Um, this is going to show really, you know, has the Empire 8 kind of dropped off and, and the Liberty League taken control of upstate New York? I mean, Cortland has looked so awesome. I'm leaning towards the Dragons as the home team. They haven't won the Cornica Jug in a while, but Ithaca winning wouldn't surprise me. But I'm going to go with I'll go with Cortland um, in a 27 to 20 type of game. Well, he now he told me Ithaca by 40. 
again, Coach Nobby, I'm going to go against you on this one. Uh, maybe uh, we'll uh, put a beer on the line or uh, lunch or something on this one as a uh, friendly bet. I'm going to pick Cortland here, 35-25. Case Western Reserve at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, so, again, if Carnegie Mellon wins, they win the pack. If Case wins and Westminster wins against Geneva, Westminster wins the pack. Uh Boy, I'm tempted. What happens if Carnegie Mellon and Westminster lose? <laughs> we haven't talked about that yet, but I hate uh, you when you later. do this to me and live. Uh, Aaron should have asked me this an hour ago. I could have actually tried to figure this out. Anyway, we'll we'll try to figure it out now after I give you a pick. Boy, I, I'm tempted here. Drew Saxton, Case Western Reserve. They've been bitten by Carnegie Mellon before in this Week 11 game when they were trying to go undefeated. I'm going to give the shoe-on-the-other-foot scenario here. Case wins this game. Uh, 31-30. All right. The bold call, I like it, but defense wins championships. Tartans sacked the quarterback nine times last week. Saxon's going to be under a lot of pressure. I think tar- the Tartans win Coach Lackner's final home regular season game in a low-scoring kind of battle, 28-14. to 14. Next game, uh, did not uh, copy here, but it's John Carroll at Baldwin-Wallace. Go ahead. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I mean, the Yellow Jackets just barely scraped by. You know, Carroll is, you know, I'm going to go with the home team. I think Ball and Wallace, they know that they have to win this game to get into the playoffs. They'll Even if it's ugly like last week, like a 17-14 win, they're going to try to eke it out. They're the home team. I'll go with BW. There's a, a phenomenon going on in uh, pro football I read about on Deadspin today where the team that loses the prior week and is the underdog the next week type situation ends up overperforming or outperforming, something along those lines. I, I can't ex- exactly explain it correctly, but here's a scenario where if John Carroll didn't lose to Heidelberg last week, I would have agreed with you on this game. I think that game left a bad taste in their mouth, and they will outperform in this game. John Carroll takes one back to the bubble in terms of pool C for everybody by knocking off Baldwin-Wallace 27-21. Next one up is, uh, excuse me, the uh, Heartland uh, Championship game, Mount St. Joseph at RHIT, Rose Holman. I like Mount St. Joseph on most days, but I like RHIT in this game at home. I, I think this has been a really wacky Heartland season. We didn't focus on it much, but any given week it seemed like who's going to be the top dog, and to land on these two teams is a little surprising to us, I, I want to say, that it was these two teams. Yeah. Rose Holman, I think, wins this game, low scoring, 21-17. Yeah, I, I think I like Rose Holman also. I mean, you know, the Mount St. Joe's did beat Alfred early in the season. They lost a close one to try, and they've kind of been a hot and cold team with that loss to Defiance two weeks ago, which is a total head-scratcher. I just feel like Rose Holman's been a little more consistent. Um, they have not lost since October. Well, no, since September 18th. I'm going to go with uh, with the engineers. Let's say 27 to 14. Chicago at Lake Forest, the battle of winning one quarter. 
Yeah, Wayne, uh, Chicago has been great this season, but I think Lake Forest is having a special year. They want to be, you know, one of the dozen teams or, or so that finish undefeated. I'm going to go with Coach Cat and the Foresters. Um, high scoring game, 45 to 35, but LFC all the way. Note to Chicago punt the ball out of bounds. Are you kidding me? Anybody that is punting to AJ Jackson at this point? You're just, you Come deserve on, to lose, okay? If you punt the ball yes. to AJ Jackson, just put an L in your column, just forfeit the game at that point, something. I, I don't know what to tell you at that point. Lake yep. Forest wins. 31-20. Uh, St. John's at Bethel for the Mayak. I will say Bethel wins. This is my upset special of the week. Bethel wins and actually takes away a bubble slot. So this is kind of the exchange of bubble slots from the John Carroll uh, Bowen Walls game I was uh, talking about. Bethel wins 17-14. Wow. Well, I'm going to stick with Johnny Magic. I, you know, they've been pretty consistent. I, you know, we even talked about them as a possible one seed. I think even with the new quarterback, um, and it was close last time, it's probably going to be a similar score. I'll, I'll take you know the Johnnies to win 27-20. Greenville at Minnesota Morris for the UMAC. Uh, it seems like Greenville's just been a little more consistent, even though whoever wins this game is probably going to be sent to Whitewater or, or North Central. Um, but I'll take, I'll take Greenville in a 31-17 game. Yeah, I think Coach Cat is from Greenville, if I remember correctly. So I'm going to give the Coach Cat special here uh, in favor <laughs> of them. Thirty-one uh, twenty. River Falls, Oshkosh. Um, that's it's me. Uh, Oshkosh, I think, is the class of this game. Might be closer than most will expect, but it'll be lower scoring. Seventeen uh, ten, Oshkosh. Yeah, I feel like, you know, for this basically being the play-in for the Isthmus Bowl, I feel like the Titans at home should hold court um, and win it 31-24. to Clock's a zero, but we'll take a second here to talk about this. Uh, obviously, Region 1, uh, Merchant Marine, Coast Guard. Yeah, we'll lower the music, too, for that matter. Um, tough game. I, even without the emotion yeah. coming into it, you knew the Coast Guard was not going to lay down and play dead in this game. That, that just doesn't happen in Secretary's Cup games, period. We've seen no. some odd results throughout history. Now that it's the last game of the season, thanks to the ESPN kind of ushering that in, uh, it's got even some weirder results along the way, I feel like, now. Um, you go first. So I, I laid it out there. Go ahead. There's no way there. There's no way that the Mariners are losing Tuper's last Secretary's Cup game. Um, you know, he like he said, you know, the the records don't mean anything, and so I think this is going to be a back and forth affair. But as we've seen all season, the Mariners in the second half can sometimes pull away. I think they'll hang on to win it, forty-two to twenty-eight. I think the weather is going to keep the score down. Uh, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, so Blankenship's advantage is being able to throw the ball on occasion. I think that ball is going to be a little wet and tough to throw. But that said, then it goes to who's got the better run game. And with the triple option, you got to assume that that's Merchant Marine. So yeah. 
I'm going to say Merchant Marine does win in a weird score of 18-14. How's that? Some safeties and field goals and other funny yeah, stuff I, going I'm on. thinking or missed extra points along the way, uh, stuff yep. like that for sure. Doinks. Maybe we, yeah, we're at an hour and four minutes here, uh, but I still want to give you your chance here of things to watch for specifically in week 11. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things to watch for after week 11 is done in terms of after Saturday, our interview with Dewey Nats, yeah. our ECAC Bowl uh, show on Monday, etc. But what, what specifically are you going to suggest people do to pick what to watch on Saturday? Well, unfortunately, um, for the the average fan, the the schedule doesn't help us out very much because a, a ch- huge chunk of these games are all at noon and one o'clock. So there's going to be a huge um, overlap. So you're gonna ha- it's it's going to have to be like the blitzer. You're going to have multiple games kind of you know, on your screen at different times, bouncing in, checking in, looking at Twitter. Um, because there are so many kickoffs at noon and one o'clock, it's going to be tough to really focus in on a single game. Um, you know, obviously the, uh, the Secretary's Cup being on television, you know, frees up one thing. You can you know put that on and and you know check out stuff with other devices. But I think at the end of the day, Frank, the most compelling story of this weekend will be. What's going to happen um, in those final one or two pool C slots? Like we said before, I feel pretty good about um, Wisconsin lacrosse getting one. feel pretty good about Wheaton getting one out of Region 5. I feel pretty good about, um, you know, maybe Baldwin-Wallace if they win. So the, 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 the Wallace-John uh, Carroll game is definitely something to keep a focus on. If John Carroll wins that game, it opens some things up. But like you said, with you know, if Bethel somehow knocks off St. John's, and that's St. John's is going to get a pool C bid, so that could be a wash. We saw that weird stack ranking in Region Two where Union was below Hopkins, and you know that the Ithaca uh, Cortland game is going to have an impact on pool C. We're going to see. Um, you know, RPI could win the Liberty League or they could just be knocked out of the playoffs altogether. Maybe they get, you know, to host an ECAC bowl game. Can Union jump up um, with a win over RPI? It's, you know, the last two or three spots are going to be really hard to come by. And, you know, Birmingham Southern's got a winnable game. Hardin-Simmons has got a winnable game. You know, will Region 3 basically be left in the lurch because maybe the committee doesn't want to have extra teams in the southeast to have to worry about flights for? Now, you could make an argument with Trinity winning the SAA that, you know, that you've got a, a possible, you know, four or something pod there because uh, they're in Texas. UMHB is in Texas. Um you know, Huntington, which made the field from from Region Three, is is Alabama. That's close. So maybe they want a, a team from this area to sort of make that you know little four uh, quadrant. But you know, after COVID, Frank, I mean, Division Three budgets have been busted, and I don't know how many flights we're going to get to see in this one. I mean, Linfield, kind of being out in an island in Oregon, is going to necessitate at least a couple. Um, we'll just yeah, have to wait and see what happens Redlands. on Sunday at five thirty. They'll face Redlands yeah, in round probably. one. That's easy. Uh, we just got a question, real quick here. 
And you gave me a question too, I, I should uh, answer. But uh, where does Aurora go round one? Uh, with one of the best uh, two loss records in football, uh, you know, do you see them getting shipped over to Whitewater perhaps, JB? I mean, I think since they played the, the, the Johnny so close in, in week one and they've, you know, they've been pretty strong. I mean, there's, a, there's definitely a, a strong grouping of teams in, in the Midwest. Maybe they end up playing Central. Um, you know, Central is a team that's really dominated, you know, the, that American River sort of, you know, Iowa neighborhood. Um, and so, you know, a team from Chicago land going down to Iowa in the first round, I could see would be a pretty solid matchup or maybe them and DePaul um, could be a, a potential first round matchup. I mean, with two losses, I'm pretty sure that the Spartans are going to go on the road, but you never know. To, to answer your question about what happens in a three-way tie of two losses in the pack, the answer is Carnegie Mellon has beaten both Washington and Jefferson and Westminster this season and therefore would get the tiebreaker. If both so they don't even case, have to win the game. Both, well, no, they have to win <laughs> well, the game. If, they, if Westminster yeah, yeah, yeah. loses, they wouldn't have to win the game. Yeah, but okay. they'll be playing right, simultaneously, right, right. so you can't go by that. You've got to win your game in that situation. Yeah, Folks, we've got a lot to look at, a lot to uh, sort of track tomorrow. I will be in uh, Gro uh, New London, Groton, Connecticut, however you want to look at it, uh, out there for the Secretary's Cup game. Uh, and uh, we will see where this goes. Uh, it's going to be special, obviously. And uh, tune in to Twitter uh, for... We're going to do game day live, Frank, from the, We're from the field? We're going to try to do a little bit of something. Uh, we may do a co-host Facebook Live, basically, because the weather, unfortunately, mm -hmm. is not going to make it very easy for us to do what we normally right. want to do for that. But uh, we can still do a little side-by-side -side, uh, in that respect. So, yes, uh, we'll uh, get you guys uh, information via Twitter and how we'll run that uh, when it gets down to it. Otherwise, um, folks, enjoy your rainy day if you're in the Northeast. Uh, enjoy your day, period. And we'll see you tomorrow, Sunday, Monday. That you, Honestly, you will see us each one of those days. So fasten your seatbelts. <laughs>